Hello church. Um, it's very, very, very nice to be with you guys. Um, we're going to start off just by praying. So I just want each and every one of us to just go into a posture of receiving. However you would want to be when you receive something, go into that posture. Father, thank you that we have an open door to come before your throne of grace. Thank you that we can walk upon the new and living way which you prepared by the breaking of your flesh and that we can come into the holies of holies. Thank you that we can have the boldness and the confidence to just come before your throne as we are. And I just want to now, um, Holy Spirit, want to welcome you and say thank you that you live in us. Thank you for your awesome presence. And I pray now, and just in the name of Jesus, I come and open the gates for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into our spirits and our souls and our flesh. And I just come and close the gates for the influence of strongholds and of arguments and opinions. And Father, I pray that the light of your glory will shine into our spirits. I want to come and pray that where we are stuck, where we feel we can't move, where we feel we don't know, where we feel no way forward, that you will come and break the change and that you will come and open the prison doors, that you will come and release us from our bondage. Amen. So we are on the last week in our revival sermon series. And the heart behind the sermon series is that God is wanting to revive the earth. And he wants us to partner with him. And he's inviting us to come and partner with him. And one of the primary ways which we partner with him is through prayer. We have to take hold of the promises of God and we need to keep on to those promises and keep on praying into those promises until we see them being manifest in the earth. And we spoke about the, the need for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of God, for us to know our Creator. And then we spoke about the knowledge of Jesus, and we spoke about the knowledge of the Father. And tonight we are speaking about the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start off with um, one of the parables that Jesus taught to his disciples, and more particularly, there's three instances in the Bible where Jesus gives his disciples a teaching on prayer. So it's Matthew 6 when it's the Our Father, and then there's Luke 11. If you're a Scottish guy, you can say Luke 11, you know, <laughs> and then Luke 18, um, the parable of the persistent friend and the persistent widow. And so tonight we're going to look at the parable of the persistent friend. And 
I want to start off by who's here in church where your friend is close by, a good friend of yours is in, in the church with you as well. Okay, Melania and Corlea. Okay, so Corlea, for a moment, imagine you are sleeping. And you're sleeping very nice. And at 12 o'clock at night, all of a sudden, here comes Melani knocking at your door. Awaking you from your sleep. Even though you have to get up tomorrow morning at 5 to go to work. How would you respond? <laughs> yeah, you... Okay. Okay. Say, for instance, you tell Milani to go away because you're sleeping. And then she's just, uh-uh. I ain't going nowhere. She just keeps on knocking. <laughs> yeah, that, and I think if I would have been in her shoes, I would have thought, in Afrikaans, you would say, Who do you think you are to come to my house 12 o'clock at night, come and knock at my door, telling me to get out of my bed, to come and answer the door for you. Now, obviously then, the, the voice will come back and say, but I'm your friend. Yeah, so, based on our friendship, I can come and knock on your door. Um, and that is also why Milani would do that. Because she knows she's a friend of Korla and she can actually have the confidence to go and knock at her door. Okay, so this is the... Just a, a little bit of a backdrop of what we're going to read now. So it says in Luke 11, 5 to 13, and this is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So now that word impudence actually refers to that statement of who do you think you are? If somebody is very impudent, they do something that almost seems arrogant. And Jesus is setting the tone here of how he wants us to pray. And the first lesson that he gives us is he wants us to pray in such a mad and manner that we will do things that a normal person would not necessarily do. And that we will do things that the response of people will most likely be, who do you think you are? to think that you have the right to do this. But then what Jesus also says that it's not because it's the friend that it opens up. No, it's because of the impudence. Another word used in that instance is persistence. So Jesus tells us that, yes, in the Bible we learn about that we are God's friend, but friendship alone isn't sufficient for us to walk into the things God has prepared for us. There needs to be that thing, okay, yes, I am now your friend, so I'm now going to take a hold of that relationship, and I'm going to take a hold of that things which you are 
inviting me into and I'm going to persist in asking you for that until I see it. And let me just before I go on, let me read the rest. And then Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So if in the, I'm told, I'm not a Greek scholar, that the tense that these words, ask, seek, and knock, is written in is almost like in a continuous tense. So it's like ask and keep on asking. So it's almost like um, I coming to your door and I just, and when it starts irritating you, I just keep on going. And then you're ready to start kicking me, then I just keep on going. And then I could keep going, but I have a sermon to finish. But that's, that's the type of asking, the type of knocking, the type of seeking that is being spoken about here. So it's a continual a continuation of us acting in a way where people's response might be, who do you think you are? And when I'm speaking about this, how many of you guys feel that you have the confidence to do that with a person? Okay, so I see one hand. Okay. How many of you guys feel that you have the confidence to do that to God? Okay. Irrespective of what you guys' answers are, we see that this is what Jesus is inviting us into. So I used to be at a place where I thought, okay, yeah, but I can just pray once and then Jesus must give, you know. Uh, but then when I read this, I'm like, okay, but surely Jesus has something else in mind. He's inviting us to bother him. He's inviting us to, if I can use it between quotation marks, to nag him, to be there like that little child that will not stop asking for that toy until we get it. And that might seem a little bit foreign to us. And I think for me that's very foreign. But that is what Jesus is inviting us into, especially when it pertains to our prayer life. When I'm reading further, it says, Now what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if we read this entire parable in context, it's okay, we're supposed to pray in such a manner that people will ask, who do you think you are? We're supposed to pray in a manner of persistence, so that means you keep on just continuing until you get what you want between quotation marks. And then, but there's something very specific which Jesus wants to draw our attention to that we need to pray for. And I think you most, most of you guys can see it on the board and that's for the Holy Spirit to be given to us. So I used to believe that, okay, I, I, I get baptized in the Holy Spirit once and then 
then after that, I, I now have the Holy Spirit, and I can just go. But when I was encountered with this, it's a continuation of asking for the Holy Spirit to be given to us. A continuation of saying, okay, Lord, I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, or I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. So it's when we come to a place where we realize that we are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit that without the Holy Spirit we cannot do what is being asked of us. And in that space we will always have a need for more of the Holy Spirit because every situation differs from the next. When we are living in faith, we are not constantly being challenged to live in faith for the same thing. No, it, it changes. So Jesus is inviting us to, to bother him to give us the Holy Spirit. So when we think of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and remember now we are doing this revival series not just for us as every nation, but our heart is for God to revive the church. And if we're speaking about the church, we're speaking about the body of Christ. So that, and in South Africa, um, we grew up with a church culture that for the majority of time has almost reduced the role of the Holy Spirit. And we grew up in a church culture where they, there was a certain doctrine which they called cessationism, was very prevalent. Now, this is not a new doctrine. It's a doctrine that was, from my research, I see it's always something that started with the Reformation, but it even could have started before the Reformation. And so it's, we're talking about the thing here now that's been part of church culture for four, five hundred years. And the church that was started in South Africa was started by people that adhered to this doctrine. So what the doctrine of cessationism says is that, first of all, the Holy Spirit does not speak to believers directly. Secondly, it says the Holy Spirit only speaks to believers via the Scriptures. Thirdly, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit does not exist anymore. Fourthly, the apostles, prophets, and evangelists do not exist anymore. So what this doctrine actually went and did and says, okay, Holy Spirit does not speak to you as believer directly. Okay? And then if you want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you must go read the Scriptures. But then when you do read the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit is only allowed to speak to you in terms of your interpretation of the scriptures. And then that interpretation of the scriptures is then done in terms of a set of man-made rules Does that make sense? So what we're basically saying is, Holy Spirit, you are allowed to come and work in our lives. This is what this doctrine does. But it's almost like, Holy Spirit, here's the boundaries which within you are allowed to operate, 
But then within these boundaries, we tell you where you go and where you can't go. So what it ends up happening is that we only receive from the Holy Spirit that which we understand, that which we can control, that which is logical, that which is rational. And anything that we don't understand or that does not conform to our theology, we reject. And even in the days of Jesus, this already happened. In the days of Jesus, there was these guys called the Pharisees. And Jesus was doing a few things that didn't conform to their interpretation of Scripture or to their theology. And then when, when he was healing a lot of people, they just said, okay, no, but this doesn't conform to what, what we've been taught. This doesn't conform to our theology. So that means he's doing this by the power of the devil. And that's what they did. Because he did something that they didn't understand, then the only conclusion for them is, okay, no, it's from the devil. He's doing it by the power of the evil one. And this is what largely this doctrine has caused for our church culture that we inherited here in South Africa. And obviously, I don't want to name names of the church, of the people that adheres to this, but our, the culture that we have, the prevalent culture in South Africa is a culture that minimizes the role of the Holy Spirit within a believer's life. And this is something that we need to ask God to come and change. Because we live in a culture where anything of the Holy Spirit that is weird or that we don't understand is immediately rejected. If someone starts speaking in tongues, okay, no, no, demons also speak in tongues, so this guy must have a demon. If uh, someone gets healed, oh, no, man, no, that, that, that person is just acting. So our immediate response when we encounter something of the Holy Spirit is skepticism. And I, I presume by <laughs> people's faces that I'm saying things that's actually true. You, you, you experience it, what I'm talking about. So I'm not speaking about a foreign culture. There was generations upon generations upon, upon generations that was the, the, the relationship with which we are invited to have the Holy Spirit was stolen from us by doctrines like, like this. So now we are saying that, okay, we, luckily for us, we as every nation, we do not conform to this, to this doctrine. So we know that we have the inheritance to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if I can just share two stories from my life of how I started growing in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. So after I became a Christian, for the first six months I had a mentor. And whenever I needed, some, needed to know something, I went to the mentor and I asked him. Because he's now the man of God, he knows. And whenever he was praying, whenever he was prophesying, he was like, like yo. I don't know if I will ever be able to do that. It's so, oh. And then I went on a camp, and then 
I went with all my lists of things that I already wanted to ask him. And then that evening, the Friday night, he just said, this weekend, you're not allowed to ask me anything. If you want to know something, you go directly to God. And I was, yo, he took the wind right out of myself because I didn't believe that I had the ability to hear God's voice. But I said, okay, well, if that's what he's saying, that's what I'm going to do. So there was a mountain close nearby, and I went up the mountain, and I spent a few hours on that mountain. And below and behold, God actually spoke to me. And that was a dramatic shift in my approach to God, because all of a sudden I started having a little bit more confidence that I can actually hear God's voice for myself, and I do not have to be dependent on my leaders to speak to me what God is saying. So each and every one of us sitting here today has the inheritance to hear from God themselves, to hear God's voice. I'm not going to ask how many of you guys believe it and how many of you guys actually have the confidence to trust God for that because that's not the point of the sermon. So first of all, there needs to be a place where we step out in faith where we say, God, you need to speak to me now. I had to physically go climb that mountain. I had to wait for him to speak to me. I had to give him the opportunity to speak to me. I had to put myself in a circumstance where he could speak to me. Then a few years later, me and my lovely wife, who's very smarter than me, and uh, yeah, very smarter. <laughs> we, uh, she wasn't my wife then, I wish. Um, we did a, a pioneering journey with a, a ministry called Global Challenge. And what the purpose of this pioneering journey was, was we went to nations where Global Challenge had not gone before. So that means when we go to that nation, we don't have a clue where we are going. So our first stop was Cuba. So if I remember correctly, our, we landed in Cuba about 2 o'clock in the morning, roundabout, and then we were a little bit tired, so we took a, a sleep on the, in the airport on our little fold-up mattresses or blow-up mattresses. And then as soon as daybreak and you could see what's going on you had to walk outside of that airport and you're like where to now I don't have a clue who I need to speak to I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight obviously you have money to pay for accommodation but you have very little money so you can't just go to any place and say I want to sleep here because most of the places you can't afford and that was not that we only have to do that once but we had to do that we arrived in Havana and we had to go through that process. Then we went to Santiago de Cuba. We had to do that again. Then we boarded a, a plane. We get, went to the Caymans. As soon as we arrived at the Caymans, didn't have a cooking clue where we were going tonight. And then in the added bonus in the Caymans that we arrived about, I think like three or four o'clock the afternoon, we took our taxi. And then we had, oh, it's illegal to sleep on the street. So if you don't get accommodation by tonight, you're going to be thrown in jail because it's illegal to sleep on the street in Caymans. And then Caymans is a tax haven. So the accommodation that is available, we can't afford. Not even close. <laughs> so what did we do? We prayed. And then as we sat, a certain person was 
we both, me and our leader, had an inclination that we need to go speak to that person. We went to go speak to that person. He was a South African. He ended up, at the end of the night, paying for our entire team to stay in the hotel. And then the next day, he arranged for us to, be, to meet up with a lady that would give us accommodation for the, our entire three weeks that we would be in the Caymans. Then while we were in the Caymans, now remember now, this is the stop that we were stressing about the most because it's the most expensive country. It's, everything is expensive. Everything. There's no cheap nothing there. And we were stressing about this because we didn't have budget for this country. At the end of that country, the lady we, which we stayed with ended up saying, no, you can stay for free. We ended up leaving with more money out of the Caymans than which we arrived with. So we, we were stressing about money, and then the Lord was just like, okay, what money? I'm going to give you, I'm going to send you out with more than which we arrived. Okay. And then that, the process just continued. We went to Jamaica. Luckily, we met a few people in the Cayman Islands, we, um, which organized a few ministry stops for us. After Jamaica, we went to Curacao. Same story. Not knowing where we are going. Then we got deported because we didn't have the right visa. Then we arrived in Germany. We arrived in Germany. We don't have a cooking clue where we are sleeping tonight. And then we go to Indonesia, don't have a cooking clue where you're sleeping. Then you go to Taiwan, you don't have a cooking clue where you're sleeping, you don't know what you're doing. Every single time, you have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to lead you where you need to go. And the last story that I can tell, while we were in Taiwan, the one evening, they broke into our hotel room and they stole all our team money. And the next morning when I heard that, I don't know whether, whether I was stupid, arrogant, or just full of faith, but I said, no man, the Bible tells us that when somebody curses you, you need to bless them. So I'm like, okay, this guy stole from us, but we're going to bless him. May he, have, may he be extremely abundant with that money which he stole from us. And then I was like, okay, well, now we don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to keep on going on, but we're going to bless this guy. We're not going to be mad at him. People in the world what do what the people in the world do, you know? That evening we went with a ministry team to a church and at the end of the evening the church decided to give us their tithes for the evening. When we counted the money, exactly the same amount that was stolen from us. So there's a relationship that we need to that we get to enter to with the Holy Spirit. But it's all always taking that step of faith, always putting yourself in that circumstances of being uncomfortable. But that is something that the Lord is drawing us into. One last story. When I was at university, I said, Lord, I want to have, for once in my life, I want to take all the money in my bank account. I want to withdraw it out of my bank account. I want to give it away. And I don't, and I'm, I'm, and I don't know where the rest of my money for the rest of the month is coming from, but I'm going to do it. And I was, at that time, we had a cell group at one of the guy's house and then I took all my money can't remember how much it was I think it was like five or six hundred rand for a student that's a lot and then I I give it away to someone and then like within two minutes my other friend comes to me he's like the Lord told me to give you this money exactly the same amount that I just gave away that is the type of relationship that the Lord is drawing us into 
And that is exactly the, the type of relationship that with the Holy Spirit that the enemy wants to hinder us from having, in, entering into. Because it's a relationship that knows the authority that we have in Christ. It's a relationship that knows that nothing can have opposition against God. So that means nothing can actually stop you. So if we really enter into the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, we will enter into a reality where the kingdom of God is actually being manifested around us. In maybe a small way or a big way, we don't get to control that. So, I'm just going to go through a few things in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. And remember I said that we want to start shaping our prayer language for praying for more of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to give you guys is actually practical points of things that you can pray about so that you can start incorporating this into your prayer life so that you can start fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and start entering into that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if the, the question I'm asking now, I'm not asking to shame anybody and because I know that I also need to grind this, but how many of us can really say that we are pursuing a relationship with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? And even for me, I'm just like, yes, Holy Spirit, I still have so, so much <laughs> growth to do in my relationship with you. But the, the question is, are we willing to take that step of faith for the Holy Spirit to draw close to us? So when it comes to our prayer language, the first point that I spoke about is that we pray for the Spirit to be poured out upon all flesh. It's the prophecy in Joel 2. It's, we know that it wasn't fulfilled in, con, in toto on the day of Pentecost because in, on the day of Pentecost the Spirit wasn't poured out upon all flesh. It was poured out upon about 3,120 3, believers. And that's not all flesh. That's a little bit of flesh, but not all flesh. You know? So we know that the fulfillment of this promise is still in the future and we need to enter into this and we need to keep on knocking all of these prayer points. We need to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. The second point is for the Lord to send out the seven spirits of God into all the earth. Now this sounds very mysterious and very, you know, but actually when we read Revelation 4 and 5, we see that before the throne room of uh, throne of God, the seven torches, the seven spirits of God, before the throne is the lamb that was slain, seven eyes, seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. And then Isaiah actually gives us the seven spirits. It's the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, of might, of understanding, of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So that's a, that's a language that we start praying for. Lord, give us your spirit. Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom. Lord, give me the spirit of understanding. Give us as church the spirit of counsel. Give us that spirit of might. And we don't just pray it once or twice, but we keep on praying it. 
as often as possible. We keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. And the moment that you feel, maybe I'm praying this too much, then just reference back to the parable where Jesus said, no, but I actually gave you the license to do this. Thirdly, we pray for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or for Jesus to baptize believers in the Holy Spirit. And like I've said, it doesn't have to have be, only have to be once. Obviously, there's a first baptism where you get empowerment and usually you start flowing in one of the gifts. But there's also a place where you just need fresh empowerment through the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times what is keeping us back from that, of asking for that, 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 that uh, fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit is our pride. Because we don't want to acknowledge that maybe we are not as good as we think we are. Maybe we are a little bit more weak than we want, to, want people actually to know. Fourth point, for the Holy Spirit to minister eternal life to us. Now, Jesus speaks about rivers of living water bubbling up inside of our spirit and bubbling up into eternal life. And then he speaks about that being the Holy Spirit. And then in John 17, Jesus defines eternal life as knowing the Father, knowing the Son. So when we are speaking about the Holy Spirit ministering eternal life to us, you say, Holy Spirit, help me know the Father better. Holy Spirit, help me know Jesus better. Give me the knowledge of the Father. Give me the knowledge of the Son. The fourth point is for the Holy Spirit to convict the world regarding sin, righteousness, and judgment. And this is so important. <laughs> and I pray this over myself regularly. It's a, it's a scary prayer to pray because usually after you pray this, you get to eat some humble pie because you, know, you usually get something that you need to repent of. But we aren't, it's not our job to convict the world. It's not our job to go to people and tell them they're on their way to hell. It's not our job to tell them how bad they are. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts the world. It's not our job to get into arguments with people, to try and convince them. We are not in the convincing game. We do not want people to build their relationship with God upon the arguments and opinions of men but upon the power of God. Next, Holy Spirit, guide us into all truth and teach us about everything. Sure. You, you almost, you, you, you can't believe what you are reading. Teach us about everything. How many of you guys know what it feels like to be taught by the Holy Spirit? How regularly does the Holy Spirit teach you, teach us? Because if you are not being taught by the Holy Spirit, then you are actually not entering into what the Lord has prepared for you. You are not entering into your authority as a believer. And I'm not saying that to shame us, I'm saying that to make us aware of what we have been given. Remind us of the words of Jesus.
obviously the Bible is full of the words of Jesus. Remind us of that because we can't remember the entire Bible. But more than that, remind us of the words that have been spoken about us. Remind us of those promises. Remind us of those prophetic words. Remind us of those visions or those dreams. Because <laughs> we're human, so we tend to forget a lot. Even some people, I know, I've, been, I've known them for years, then in a, in a split second I forget their names. So we are, we, are, we are weak. Next, reveal to us the things that are to come. Reveal the deep things of the Father. So it says the Spirit searches the deep things of the Father. So that means that we can have access to what's going on in God's heart and the Holy Spirit gets to reveal that to us. But it doesn't come cheaply. <laughs> Just in the same way that you don't, if you're starting to date a girl, you don't get to know her by just spending five minutes with her and then getting married. No, no, no. It's coffee upon coffee, conversation upon conversation. It's not five or ten minutes. No, it's maybe a few hours or sometimes a few days because there's an intense desire to get to know that person. So it doesn't come cheaply. But we do have the authority to ask for that. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus. Remember now, the Holy Spirit isn't our genie that we get to rub and then we just get to wish all of our wishes like Aladdin. No, the Holy Spirit has a purpose and that is to glorify the Father and that is to glorify Jesus. So when we ask for the Holy Spirit to walk, work in our lives, we are asking first for the kingdom of God and then all of the other things like it says in Matthew 6. So Holy Spirit actually use my life to glorify Jesus in however way you feel fit. The next one, testify about Jesus. We can go to people with very fancy arguments and a lot of times it doesn't work. But if we go to Jesus or to people and we maybe give them something that the Holy Spirit has put upon our hearts, then we see it having an impact in people's lives. Why? Because it's not the human effort or the human intellect that brings the change. No, it's the Spirit and the obedience to the Spirit and the faith with which that act is being done that God reacts to. Holy Spirit, help us. And uh, the more you know that you are dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the more that you come to make peace with that because Hebrews 11.6 says without faith it's impossible to please God. So that means by definition if you want to please God you must always live in a way where you don't necessarily understand everything because faith is not about seeing things. We need a lot of help in that because we forget very quickly. Empower us to testify, to be witnesses of the gospel, but also empower us in our inner man so that we can know the love of Christ, 
that transcends all knowledge and understanding so that we can be filled with the fullness of who God is. That's Ephesians 3. That's one of my favorite prayers to pray. Lord, let me know your love so that I can be filled with the fullness of who you are. You know, that's, that's, you know, I don't know how my, if I, I don't know where I'm being filled, but you know, that thing must almost burst because God is very big. <laughs> so if I'm being filled with the fullness of who he is, then you know, that thing must, where he's filling himself into, it must have a lot of capacity. The fruit of the Spirit. Lord, give us the fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, produce your fruit in us. Give us love, give us joy, give us peace, give us patience, give us kindness, give us goodness, give us faithfulness, give us gentleness, give us self-control, over and over and over. We don't stop knocking. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Which is extremely effective in ministry. Lord, give me that word of wisdom. Give me that word of knowledge. Do that miracle. Bring that healing. Give me that gift of faith because I don't know if I can take that step. Lord, give, me, give us those prophetic words. Give us those discernment of the spirits. Give us tongues and give us interpretation of tongues. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm not going to say because I want to minimize or downplay the role of the Bible. I love the Bible. If you come to my house and you show me my Bible, you will see that I read my Bible quite regularly because you will see all of the... So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm going to be saying is I want to emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said in John 16 that I'm going away... He said, but it's to your advantage that I'm going away because if I don't go away, the Spirit will not come. And then after he went up into the clouds, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until you receive the Bible. Uh-uh, yeah. Until you receive the Holy Spirit. So my, my question is that with whom do you have a better relationship? With your Bible? Or with the Holy Spirit. I'm not downplaying the role of the, of the Bible. I'm trying to get us to walk into the inheritance that we have to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus did not give the disciples the Bible to go and change the world. He gave them the Holy Spirit. And we need to know that. Because we are not pursuing our relationship with the Holy Spirit in the way that we need to. And I'm not saying this to make people feel bad. The heart of this sermon is for us to start standing up in the authority which we have been given. So what I want us to go into now at this moment, so I'm just going to pray a simple prayer for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to each and every one of us. He wants to speak to us. So however you feel comfortable to just take the next few minutes to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, do that. Holy Spirit, I just want to pray that 
that you will come and reveal the deep things of the Father to us. Thank you that we have the privilege of being in relationship with you. And I just pray that you will come and honor the privilege that we have to hear your voice.
So while we are just waiting, um, I want to say to Andre, a lot of what we're hearing tonight is not milk. Um, and there's a scripture that says that the, all of creation is longing for the sons of God to arise, not the babies of God. Um, so there's portions of your Christian walk in Christ where you, we need to mature to grow from being a baby born again to becoming mature in Christ so that you and I start to walk in the things that God has prepared for us. And everything that Andre spoke about tonight, and for some of you, you're going to have to go back in uh, maybe even over all of December and listen to the sermon, write it out for yourself and go and pause on all of those points, go into the scriptures of all of those points and say, Lord, if this is available, I want it. Um, so Jesus comes and, he's, and he gives this invitation, come follow me, you can say no. He gives us the invitation, ask, how much more will the, Holy, the Father give the Holy Spirit to you? You cannot ask. So there's a space where God gives us this invitation, this possibility of something, but you can choose not to take it. When Andre shared the stories of their global challenge here, whom of you felt this inspiration in your heart? All right, whom of you would love to have some of those stories that would be your own? You see, we can read books on prayer and revival, and we can read stories about missionaries and um, learning about how God has miraculously come through for people and be sitting in these seasons and say, wow, God, that is amazing, it's amazing, amazing. Or we can be part of the people who start to tell some of the new stories. So there's something available to your Christian walk, but it doesn't come cheap, like Andre said. There's something that you and I need to seek God out for. So why would God call us to persist when obviously he can get up and give you the bread that you've been asking? Because he wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to grow in your identity as his child, that you are a friend of God and you can knock until it becomes irritating. God is growing you in prayer. Will you press in or will you stop short? There's something on the brink that God wants to pour out over the, all of the earth. But will we press in or will we stop short? When we think about our nation, massive stuff happening this past week. Are our hearts so overwhelmed with hopelessness that you don't even pray for our president as the word of God commands us to pray for those who have been put in position to lead over us by God, not by a government? But has our hearts become so numb with hopelessness that we don't even pray anymore for our government? Oh, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, well, we'll adapt and we'll make good memes about it. But there's something that God is inviting us into. There's something that God wants to stir in your heart to say, my child, the way that I have provided for people in the past, the way that I have come through for people in the past, that is for you there is something that belongs to you that is your inheritance. And if you will ask and keep on asking, if you will knock and keep on knock, knocking, if you will persevere and not grow tired, there is something that you will unlock that belongs to you that God wants to give to those who earnestly seek Him. So I want us to create a moment tonight. And if you are here and you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, if there is something that God needs to awaken in your life again, friends, God is busy preparing revival upon the earth. 
He's going to do it. This whole sermon series isn't about making us aware that God is going to do it. No, He's going to do it. It's about us stirring something in our hearts as the church to say, will we participate with what God is doing? Will we position ourselves, like the series says, will we position our hearts in prayer? Because that's the starting point. If, you, if you're serious about revival coming upon this nation, upon the earth, if you're serious about revival coming into certain areas in your family, your neighborhood, um, wherever you might find yourself, it starts with our hearts being positioned in prayer because that's where we humble ourselves. And then when we humble ourselves, God pours out grace. And grace is God's ability beyond your inability. But we position ourselves in humility. There's a a pastor, John Piper, who preached a message at a European church conference, and he said, in the previous days, the, 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 the church was, had ships with sails, and they were dependent on the wind to carry them and to lead them. But as the church matured or grew up, they started to build in motorboats, uh, motors, engines for the boats. And now they weren't so much dependent on the wind to take them because they can just steer their own motors. And we become over-reliant on our abilities to the extent that we don't really need the Holy Spirit anymore because we can do a Sunday service. We can dim the lights a certain way and let certain music play in the background. Do you feel that? We can do a lot of things without the Holy Spirit, but actually we can't do much. <laughs> what Andre said about um, our Bibles, the Holy Spirit, if you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He will lead you into the Word of God. He will never lead you apart from the Word of God. But you can have a relationship with your Bible apart from the Holy Spirit, and you'll be filled with a lot of knowledge, but there's no depth of intimacy with your relationship with God. It's just knowledge, but it doesn't help anyone. What we're invited into is this vibrant relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, that dwells within us, that wants to be poured out over us for His name's sake. So if you are desperate that God would touch your life tonight, maybe for yourself, maybe throughout this past couple of weeks, God has been stirring your heart for revival to say, yes, Lord, I actually want to see revival come. Um, I don't know where to start. I want you to stand. If you're desperate for just a fresh outpouring of God, either for yourself or for revival to come upon the earth, I want you to stand. Jesus, you tell us that if we ask, you will do it. If we ask in your name that you will do it, and how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And right now, Jesus, we just want to come and ask. Father, would you pour out your Spirit among us right now? In Jesus' name we ask. Just where you are, would you just ask God to stretch out your hands, like Andre said, in this posture of receiving something from the Lord tonight. Just ask Him to come and fill you with His Spirit. The Spirit knows what you need. The Spirit knows which areas of your life need to be refreshed right now. 
The Spirit knows which areas of your life need to be awakened. The Spirit knows which areas of your life need a conviction of sin that leads you to repentance, but also healing and freedom. The Spirit knows which areas of your life need a fresh word of encouragement, a fresh promise, a reminder of something that God has spoken over your life that the enemy has maybe caused to become dormant and you've stopped believing God for that very thing. The Spirit knows where there's lies in your heart that needs to be exposed, where there's lies about who you think you are, about who you think God is that needs to be brought out into the open so that they can be taken away and replaced with the truth of who God is and the truth of who you are. Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. Lift up your face, my son, my daughter. Know who you are. Know who the God is who has called you. Know who the God is who has destined you for relationship with Him. Know who the God is who has destined you for great things. Know who your God is with whom there is no impossibility. Know whom your God is with whom there is no, um, no sin that cannot be forgiven. There's no shame that cannot be taken away. There is no guilt that cannot be lifted. Know, O child of God, with whom there is no lack of capacity to love you to the extent that you need to be loved, affirmed to the extent that you need to be affirmed, forgiven to the extent that you need to be forgiven, set free to the extent that you need to be set free. Lord, your word says that the very same power that rose Christ from the grave gets to live in us, and we ask now in Jesus' name, fill us with that power. Fill us with that power, Lord, so that we can be your witnesses, so that we can be your sons and daughters, so that we can partner with you, Lord, in prayer, but in mission as well, to see your kingdom come upon this earth in Jesus' name. We ask, would you touch us, Lord Jesus? Holy Spirit, come and touch us in a way that our lives cannot remain the same and awaken our minds to the possibilities of God. Awaken our minds to see beyond the natural into the spiritual. Help us to see, Lord, with spiritual eyes the very things that God has already prepared for us to walk in, the good works that you've prepared for us. We ask in Jesus' name, Lord, we do not want to settle for a lesser version of Christianity that is available. We do not want to settle for something that falls short of what you've purchased for us through your life on the cross. Pour out your spirit, Lord Jesus, we ask. Fill us up. Fill us up, Lord.